You ever felt like there was something less than what was best coming out of you? Maybe in the way you talked, the way you thought, the way you acted. Man, that's a great prayer. Jesus, make new wine, something new, new power, new freedom come out of me. Make, make me what you want me to be. Many of us have spent a lot of time and a lot of years making ourselves what we want to be, right? Or making ourselves what somebody else wants us to be. But the call of Christianity is to make ourselves into what God wants us to be. One of the ways we do that is we, we learn and we grow and we try to become better at following the teachings of the person who showed us a way, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the middle of a series on the book of Acts, and we're kind of going through that book. And in that book, we have for us the record of the church's expansion throughout um, Jerusalem and then further along. Now, we've come to a place in the story where we've looked at the last couple of weeks. They've left Jerusalem, and we have a scattering, if you will. We talked a little about that last week. Well, we find today in Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, that um, <clears throat> the first example that we're given... Now, remember, what we have to remind ourselves when we study the New Testament that we don't get every bit of every story, right? It can't be recorded. So the writer, through the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us certain things from the story, from the event, so that we can take that and we can use it and apply it to our lives. And so one particular example is given, and that's the example of Philip. Philip, we found out earlier, was one of the seven who were chosen. And Philip ends up going to a place called Samaria. Now, I need my boys and girls. We're not going downstairs today because it's the first Sunday. We'll be back down there next week. But I want you guys to come up here. If you feel, my boys and girls, I want you to come up here, right here. And I need you to, I want to tell you a little bit of the story and get you to help me. So come up here if you want to, boys and girls. You're welcome to stay there if you want, but it'll look really sad if I'm here by myself. You know? All right, come over here over this side, Dave. All right, <clears throat> so... And the reason that I want y'all to be up here, because this is something that I really want y'all to remember, okay? There's a lot of people in life who, who miss this. And I want to make sure that in this generation, we carry forward in a different way. So you remember in the Bible, the story of the Good Samaritan? Anybody heard that story? What, what happened in that story? Somebody remember? Oh, they're going to go shy on me. All right, so the story was that this guy got beat up and then a priest and a Levite and somebody else, all these good Jewish folks, passed him up. And then the Samaritan came by and the Samaritan said, hey, I want to help you all out, help him out, took him to the inn, had the money set aside and helped the guy. And it was a story of the good Samaritan. Now, the, really the power of that story is the fact that Jewish people like Jesus and the people that are in the New Testament, they couldn't stand Samaritans, okay? So whenever you hear words like the Taliban, and things of that nature, you don't like those people, right? Or maybe that some bad things come to your mind. That's kind of how it was with Jewish people and Samaritans, all right? Now, I know all of our adults know this, but just let's go help them in case they've forgotten There's some of their Bible history, all right? So in the old world, they had wars just like we had wars, but it was a more brutal world, all right? So in the 8th century B.C., the Assyrians came in and they conquered the northern part of Israel, all right? And they were brutal. They came in, they killed people, they did terrible things. It was a brutal world. But part of what they did to exercise control is they, they took 
some of the people, the most important people, the people who had property, the people who were in politics, the people who were educated, and they, they, they kidnapped them. And they would take them to another part of the kingdom. And then they would bring in somebody, the educated people from one of the other conquered kingdoms. And so what they were trying to do is really mess up the political system so it would kind of kill the identity of the people. Well, the northern kingdom, which was where Samaria was, hence Samaritans, all right, they accepted this. And they started marrying. And over the next couple hundred years, they basically had a new race of people, right? They just figured we got to go along to get along. The Jewish people in the south, they didn't like that. They thought they were traitors, and so they didn't like the traitors. So much so, there's a lot of other biblical history, Ezra, Nehemiah, and things like that. And so they developed, they couldn't stand each other, all right? Couldn't stand it. Jewish people couldn't stand the Samaritans. They were half-breeds, inbred, traitors. Interestingly enough, Jesus tells the story that it was the Samaritan who was good. Well, you can imagine all the people who were listening, they didn't like that because Samaritans weren't supposed to be good. But what Jesus was trying to explain to them is where you're from, what you look like, that doesn't have a bearing on whether you're good. And there's people in this world today who still think that where you're from, what you look like, what color you are, that those things determine whether you're good. That's not true. Even more so whenever the church starts expanding in this story today that we're going to look at, the first place they go to tell the message of God is to who? The Samaritans, which the Jewish people aren't going to like. And here's my point. I wanted to tell you all this story and let them hear it too. Is God's plan is for everybody. He doesn't exclude people because we don't like them. He doesn't exclude them because of what their ancestors did. Or they don't look like us or they don't do things the way that we do. No, God is looking to bring his message of love and hope to all people. And I hope and pray that as you interact with people, we're living in a very, and I don't know if you've ever heard this word, a diverse world where there's different kinds of people from different places who look different ways. Sometimes we think differently. Don't ever buy into the belief that if people don't look in exa exactly like you do or think exactly like you do, that God doesn't love them. No, God's message is true and it's, it's open to all. And that's something that we learn here. The first place that the message of the church goes to is to the Samaritans. I'm going to pray for you because in this world today, there's a lot of division. There's a lot of people who think they're more important than other people or that they're better than other people because of whatever has happened in their ancestor or in their life. And I hope that as you grow up and as that we continue to grow, that we learn to love all people, whether we think they're traitors or whatever, that they're, they're not... They're, they're human beings created in God's image, just like you and I. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each one of these boys and girls and everyone who's listening. Help us, Lord, to embrace your message of hope to all humanity. Help us not to be excluding people because of things that maybe happened in their past or happened in their life or in the life or in their history. Let's extend God's grace to them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you coming up. And it breaks it up a little bit. You ain't got to sit back there the whole time. While you're back there, if you're heading back and you want a color page, there's something back there for you to use. Now, that was the background of this particular story of Philip going to the Samaritans. I'm going to read these verses to you. I want you to stand real quick as we honor the public reading of God's Word. Again, just four verses today. And you'll see very quickly 
what I was explaining to them. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. May God bless the public reading of his word. You may be seated. So we have here in just four verses a lot of information. You may be saying, well, that doesn't seem like a lot of information. There's just a few little things happening. Oh, we're going to dig into this a minute, okay? There are some things that I know God has for each of us to learn from this particular message. The first thing that I want us to do, and we kind of break this down into three kind of points with some, some sub-points, if you will, is I want us to look at the significance of Philip's ministry to Samaritans. And that hits on what I talked about with the boys and girls. Samaria was not a place where people who were in the religious community liked. They couldn't stand them. There was a lot of enmity. And so when we see that God sends Philip to Samaria, there is some significance there. And there's some three things here that I want us to look at. Number one is it signifies that really God's message of salvation is open to all. See, you're not the gatekeeper of God's salvation. See, that's one of the things that people love to do is they think whenever they start doing some of the right things and the more religious they become, they try to become the gatekeeper and say who gets to be in and who gets to be out and all that. You, that that's, the, that's the model of the Pharisees. Listen, you want to stay in the model of Jesus that God's love and forgiveness is open to all. Now, we don't want to get to the point where it's like it's not everybody gets in who does whatever they want. No, the truth still matters. But you don't get to decide who gets the truth. God, listen, God loves everybody. You don't love everybody. Sometimes you don't even love yourself. This is a part of the human condition. But God loves everybody. He loves them no matter where they're from. He loves them no matter what they've done. Now, he doesn't embrace what they've done. He doesn't encourage what they're doing. He doesn't even say, hey, good job. No, but he loves them. The second thing that I want us to look at that's some significant truth to us about Philip's ministry to the Samaritans is that we learn that really, hey, somebody has to take the message to people. You see, the, the message was that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but, but they didn't have that message there. Now, they had gotten some information because throughout the New Testament, Jesus took every opportunity that he could to travel through Samaria which is also interesting because a good Jew didn't do that. You know, a good God-fearing Jew, a religious person, would always take a route around Samaria because he didn't want to get polluted by those nasty people. Jesus, however, always made a trip right on through, and he did some things there. He, you know, the woman at the well, some other miracles and all that. And so, look, whenever we think about the fact that God's message of salvation is open to all, somebody has to take that message to them. And listen, this has some real practical applications. So one of the things that's been pretty amazing to me about this technology that, that some folks have, have been part of, you know, like in a, in a day like today. So Dustin, he gets here early so that he can get this camera set up and that this message goes out. Brendan gets here early. Jonathan and the praise team, they all get here early. And it's not just in here because this is a great experience of worship, but people are watching this right now from all over the place. I mean, it's amazing to me that people will text or they'll call and say, hey, I enjoyed watching that. And they're states away, different countries. And it's meaningful. Well, you know what? That's a way to, to get that mass message there. Somebody has to get up early and be here. 
Somebody's got to do the technical things that have to happen after the fact so that that actually goes out because I don't know what to do. You know, when you see the pictures of the churches that we've built in the Philippines or been a part of building, you know what? If, if nobody's there to bring the message to them, they don't know. And we all have a part to play. You know, when we give our money so that, hey, um, Ed and those guys could have bricks to build so that there'll be a church where the gospel's preached, guess what? We're a part of taking that message there. Sometimes we literally are to take that message. And so, that's oftentimes the hardest. Whenever we're prompted to tell someone about the story of Jesus. To me, I find that can be the most challenging. Number one, because now the enemy really says, well, you're not perfect. Why would they listen to you? You've messed up. But guess what? None of that is really relevant to the message. Somebody's got to take the message. And finally, it won't always be popular or easy. Rest assured that the Jewish Christians, remember, all these 3,000 people that were added, all these new believers, most of them are what? Jewish. Well, guess what? The minute they got baptized and they became Christians, do you think they let go of all of their prejudice immediately? Did you? I mean, when you got baptized, did you let go of all your prejudice? Did you become a perfect saint? No. Well, guess what? Neither did those people. And so I can assure you that a lot of them were not happy about the fact that Philip was doing what? Taking the message to the Samaritans. It wasn't popular. And oftentimes, taking the message of God is not popular because people don't want to hear a message that says, repent. Because what? We're all sinners, and we like to do what? What we want to do. Listen, if, if you're honest, you don't really like it when anybody tells you you're doing wrong, whether it's your wife, your husband, your boss, your friend. I mean, you may receive it, but you don't like it. Because if, you know, you, even if, if, you know it, if you know it's wrong, well, you, now you're even a little bitter about it. Sometimes you're doing wrong and you don't know it, so now you're battling your own, you know, pride and ignorance. So it's, it's not easy to tell people the message of God. And it's certainly not always popular. But these are things that have to happen if God's message is going out. Number one, we've got to send it to all people. We've got to be willing to take it, and we've got to do it even if it's not popular are easy. And I believe that, that, that there's some universal application there for all of us, regardless of our situation. Now, the next thing I want us to look at is, is what did Philip bring to the Samaritans? So he literally, he leaves Jerusalem, which is only maybe a you know, few miles, maybe less than 100 miles. He goes up there. What does he bring to the Samaritans that might have something to do with us, that might be important for us to look at? You know, the first thing that I want us to notice is Philip brings to the Samaritans the story of Jesus. Now, not just any story about Jesus, the story of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. They knew about who Jesus was because he had been through there. He had healed people, but as far as they knew, he was just, he was just a miracle worker. He was a person who could perform magic. He could perform different things. And we're going to see next week why they even might have thought that because later on in the chapter, there's another person that we're introduced to who was a kind of a magic sorcerer, fortune teller kind of person. But that's all they knew of Jesus. Philip comes to tell them the rest of the story. Anybody remember that phrase from Paul Harvey? The rest of the story. You see, some people only want to tell part of the story. 
See, part of the story is yes, and almost everybody will agree with this part of the story. Jesus was a good person. Man, he did some good things. He was a great teacher. He believed in peace. He believed in love. Man, everybody's like, yes, we love that part of the story. But listen, not everybody's excited about the rest of the story. Is hey, to follow him, you got to give up your life. You got to be willing to be crucified of your flesh and choose a path that says, I want to do what God wants to do. See, not everybody likes the rest of the story. But it, no, no one knows it until someone tells them. And so he comes and he tells them the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Notice that whenever he tells them this story, some dramatic things happen. Now remember, we're still in what could very easily be classified as an apostolic age. Jesus has not been gone from the earth very far. The Holy Spirit has just come to the, come to the planet in a supernatural way. We've talked about that. And so Philip brings to them in this moment some healing. He brings literal healing when he comes with the message. And in this story, look what it says. It says, they, they, <clears throat> many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So in this particular instance, physical healings and things are happening. Now, we don't know the extent of everything that's happening here. We, I believe physical healings can happen today. I believe there are plenty of evil spirits in this world today. I think there are evil spirits that manifest themselves in alcoholism, sexual addiction, all manners and sorts of brokenness and sin. So, so I don't know exactly what all those were, but I, I, I know for a fact there are plenty of people in this world I meet every day, listen, who are paralyzed. Some of them literally, but worse than that, some of them are paralyzed spiritually. They're paralyzed by bad thinking. They're paralyzed by history that other people have heaped upon them. They're paralyzed by their own self-centeredness. They're very, very figuratively lame. They can't perform as they were created to perform because they're lame. They, they, literally, they're so wounded by whatever has happened in their life that they're unable to live up to whatever it is God has for them. So I don't think that it's just remotely that something happened in that day. I think this is a reality that's in, in the world. Plenty of people are tormented by evil spirits and are experiencing paralysis and, and lameness from, from a literal sense all the way to a spiritual sense. But notice what Philip brings when he brings the message of Jesus. Healing from that. You see, if Christianity is anything, it's got to be something significant enough to bring change to people's lives. If there's no power... If there's nothing that can help people overcome the paralysis in their life, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual, it's not real Christianity. Jesus brings what? I love that song. New freedom. New power. So that you can overcome some of these things that are broken in your life. And that's what Philip brings to the Samaritans. Healing from this brokenness. Now I want to make a real interesting point here. You notice what happens when these evil spirits are cast out? They didn't go willingly, did they? Look, and if you think that you're going to move towards God and get away from the oppression of evil, evil spirits that, that, that cloud your mind, 
that cause you to do things you shouldn't do, or, or a cause might be too strong for, but to influence you. They're not going to give up willingly. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take the power of the gospel. It's going to take the power of Jesus to help you overcome. Some people are struggling, still battling. And when I say some people, that's the guy in the mirror too. Struggling, right? Because I'm not willing to let go of some of the evil that has taken root in my own heart and in my own life. Because it doesn't give up easily. You ever notice that you don't, if you just stop doing everything that you know you should do, whether it's read your Bible, pray, go to church, do positive things, have you ever noticed that you don't just automatically move towards becoming a better version of yourself? Why? The gravitational pull in your life is where? It's to the bad. You're going you're gonna to eat more unhealthy. You're going to do unhealthy things. You're going to think unhealthy thoughts because what? The gravitational pull of this world is, is in, influenced by an enemy. If you want to move in the right direction, you've got to use the power of the gospel to help you overcome. Look at the third thing Philip brings to him because this is so important. When he comes to them, what happens? There was great joy in the city. Oh, you want to know how to tell if something that's being preached is legitimately of God, is does it bring joy? Look, if somebody's always talking doom and gloom, that's not of God. Now, there might be sorrow in the night, but there's got to be behind it a message of joy that, hey, if I overcome, if I let go of this, there's going to be joy and fulfillment and meaning. Too many people are bringing a message of gloom, of doom, of darkness guised as light. Listen, the message of Jesus brings joy. Sure, we're broken. Sure, we make bad decisions. Sure, there is a pull towards the darkness. But all of us, if we're here, have experienced the light. When you, when you give your life to Christ and you feel a sense of forgiveness for your sins, when you feel a sense of wholeness, Maybe whenever you write something that's wrong, you try to do better. Don't you get joy out of that? It makes you feel better. Now, it doesn't mean you're perfect, but there's joy in this. But that's what the message of Jesus is. It brings joy as we continue to fight against the darker side of ourselves and the evil forces in this world. That's what we're to bring to people. Man, are there some people in this world that need joy? Wow. I meet people who are so discouraged, so disenfranchised from life, so depressed, so down. They need a message of God's love and God's healing and God's joy. Are we bringing that to them? In your life, starting Monday morning, are your activities going to be bringing that kind of message to people? Or is it going to be something else? Now, look, now don't mistake joy for happy, right? Because sometimes in your role, you've got to deliver a message that's not easy to receive. But guess what? You can do it in a redemptive way and still bring about something good in their life. Philip brought them the message of Jesus. He brought them healing because it mattered, and he brought them joy. Now, the last thing I want to look at is maybe a little bit different way to think about this. Because as I read this story, and I looked at, okay, I could really understand this, all right? These are some things that I could learn about why 
why there were stories recorded about to the Samaritans, knowing that history, knowing all of that. And then, then I look at this and, okay, man, I see that. That's, that's really what Philip brought to them, and I can really get my mind wrapped around that. But, but if I step back a minute, I think, I was just thinking, why, why did the Samaritans experience such a powerful move of God? Because have you ever noticed that that's not a guarantee? I, in my own life, I don't always have a, a powerful move of God. I go to church all the time. There are times whenever I go to church and in worship, man, I really connect to God. And I leave out with this sense, wow, okay, God, yeah. There are other times I don't feel that. Maybe it wasn't as powerful of experience. And I, I've seen that throughout my own life and in the life of others. You might be here today and somebody who's here is really connected to God. And they'll say, Pastor, that was a fantastic sermon. Man, God really spoke to me. And then somebody else, you could tell their eyes are glassed over and it meant nothing to them. All right, so what, what are the factors that influence that, okay? And I think there, there's some, some application here that we see that really could help us. I know it helps me. So why did the Samaritans experience such a powerful move of God? The first thing that I noticed about them is that they were open. Look what it says right there. They were listening intently. You see, one of the things that seems to totally pump the brakes or stop the movement of God is if you're not open to it. It's part of the free will. If you're not open to what he's doing, you have closed the door. I remember some of the old-time evangelists used to say when I'd go to these revivals, they'd say that the door to your heart has a knob on one side. And you ever remember hearing them say that? That you've got to open it. That the Lord's not going to beat his way in. You've got to... And you know what? There is some truth to that. Because if you're not open to receiving something... But the Samaritans were very open. They listened intently. Now, not just in church, but maybe in church. Do you listen intently for what God's doing? In your quiet devotional time... Are you listening intently for what God's trying to speak to you? When you walk down the street and when you encounter things in the world, are you listening intently? I always think about that George Strait song that talks about the flower growing up in the sidewalk and how he says he saw God today. You see, you can't see God if you're not listening for him or hearing. You can't hear from him. But if you're listening intently, you'll be amazed at the ways in which he'll speak to you. He spoke to the person who wrote that song through a flower coming up through the sidewalk. He'll speak to you through a cloud. He'll speak to you through a post somebody puts on the internet. He'll speak to you through a Bible verse. All these different ways he'll speak to you if you're listening. But if you're not listening or if you're not open, you know what you'll be like? My dog, Sadie, when I let her out, she can hear me. But my one of my neighbors, and some of you know my neighbor who throws, he throws food out. He throws food out as leftover food in the ditch. And guess what she does when she gets out? She's wanting to go over there. And it doesn't matter how much I whistle. It doesn't matter how much I holler or whatever. Where's she going? She's intently focused on something other than her master. You know, there's a lot of people... listening because they're focusing their attention on something else in this world. You got to be open.
The second thing that I notice about these Samaritans that I believe translates to us and really translates universally to experiencing God is that they had an expecting attitude. Look, what does it say? They were eager to hear God's message. You've heard me talk about how important expectations are. Do you have the expectation that God's going to do something in your life? When you look at the things that are wrong in here, in here, out there, do you expect God to do something about them? I mean, do you have the expectation, man, that God could work in this way? He could work in me? Or have you just given up? Do you just, have you just accepted that this is how you're going to be? Have you just accepted that this is how they are? You've just accepted that there's nothing that could be done about that. Man, what's, there's no joy in that. The expectation needs to be there that, hey, God can do something. He can do it right here. Usually it starts right here. And then as it starts here, it moves into here. And then it moves to where? It moves into what I'm doing. And then once I start doing some of the right things, other people see it. And so there's an expectation. What are your expectations? I mean, literally, in your life, your spiritual life, do you have the expectation that, man, I'm going to go to worship on Sunday and I'm going to realign and refocus my life and I'm going to kind of get reconnected to God. And after I do that, I'm going to hear what he has to say. The Spirit's going to speak to me. And then I'm going to take that out there into the world wherever I go. And when I encounter other people, man, I'm going to be delivering a message of hope. And then when I, when I do, I'm going to try to make it right. You know, this, this is expectation. And what if you left out of here and I left out of here with that expectation? Man, you'd see something happen. I promise you, it wouldn't be just your normal everyday life. There would be some things that would happen. Powerful things. The third is they were willing to receive it. They were eager to what? See things. See the signs. And, and I just, <laughs> you know, some people are completely able, but they're just not willing. They got all, you, you ever met people, and this can happen in any realm, okay? It doesn't just have to be spiritual. They have all the talent in the world. I mean, they got all the, all the right skills, but they're just not willing to do what it takes. They're not willing to receive coaching or, or whatever. I think the same thing happens in the spiritual world. That's what faith is. Are you willing to receive God's message that says, hey, I want you to make me more a part of your life. I want to be a part of your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, Saturday, not just your Sunday. The Samaritans, for whatever set of circumstances, this particular group were described here. They were open, they were expecting, and they were willing. And as a result, what happened? Man, powerful things happened and great joy came to their life. Three questions to consider today and then we're done. Sure, there are many others, but these are three I'd like for us all to consider. Are we open to God's message? I mean, really, are we open to whatever it is He would have to say? Or have we kind of just, oh, I, I kind of got that under control? See, that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people I meet, they, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I go to church, I kind of got that there. And, 
And it's not that they're against God's message. They're just really not open to anything new that God wants to do. They've kind of found like the plane that they want to be on. They don't want to get too radical. They really don't want to get too extreme with it. They just kind of want to be right here. Now, part of the problem is they've created a false narrative that being open to God's message means that they're going to be something that's what? An extremist or a radical or whatever. Again, this is the enemy telling them lies. You know what it means when you're open to God's message? Is that you're going to be God's messenger to bring love and joy and hope and all of this to people. Man, it is extremist, but sometimes the extremes are what move the world. Are you open to his message today? Second question. Do you expect God to show up? And then this is hard. This is faith. Do you expect God to show up in your life? Now, some people don't expect him to because they're like, I hope he doesn't because they don't want that in their life right now. But do you expect him to speak to you? And then when he speaks to you, are you open to what he says? I mean, when you read your Bible, do you have the expectation that God's going to give you some information that's going to help you? And I guess probably as important as all of them, are you willing to receive? Are you willing to receive God's message? Now hopefully, most likely, the vast majority of people who are at a Christian church have been willing to receive the forgiveness offered to them through Jesus Christ by placing their faith and trust in Him and, and repenting of their sins and being baptized. See, that's step one. You, you make a decision and you, you receive the gift of salvation offered to you through the cross of Calvary. But you know what? That's not the end of it. That's just the beginning of it. When you go down that water, you're, you're buried with Christ. You're raised to walk in what? A new life. And so now I'm looking to receive new power, new freedom, to live like my life matters. And here's the deal. You know, life is brief. We all know that. And I'm reminded of it when I do funerals. Like this week, we lost Miss Mary. And I, I honestly, I sat there and as I watched Mr. Roger and her friends at that service, it, I was reminded of how brief life is. And Roger even said it's like the 65 years went by so fast. But while that's true, I have noticed that the day-to-day -day is a grind. The mundane of life is hard to constantly do what? Have a new attitude. Receive a new message every day. Why? Because you got to do it day in and day out and discipline yourself to be willing to receive God every day and be willing to show Him to others. I hope that as we close today, in a moment, Bob, through our prayer, will lead us in communion. I hope that we would listen for what God is trying to tell us. Don't, don't get lost in what I'm saying. Hopefully, something that I'm saying, He's using to speak to you. He spoke 
to Philip. Philip answered the call. He spoke to Luke and Luke recorded it. He's speaking to me and hopefully I'm speaking to you. And guess what? This is how it works. As he speaks to you, you flesh out what that message is to the next person. And if you're not doing that, there's somebody who's not receiving the message. And this is a world where it's apparent that many people are living their life without the message of God's hope and love and forgiveness and redemption. And we don't want that to be our experience. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for all that you do for us. Lord, we thank you for your message delivered through the scriptures. I pray, Lord, that you would help each of us to be open, willing, and have the expectations that you want to impact those around us. We're very grateful for the forgiveness offered to us through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, you would help us this week, this day, through the power of your Son and his Holy Spirit. Amen.